Welcome to Casting Nets. I we are back after a long extended delay, and I'm here with Pastor Will Harley. And it's a Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. It's it's almost like we, this was an experience that we wanted to have so bad that we had to push it ahead a day. Except for the fact that I had some other things going on exactly. tomorrow. And but so Wednesday's really a good day. Wednesday's yeah. a good day, too. Yeah, yeah. So welcome to the show. We are glad that you're here joining us. Um, and if you're w- listening to this on a Thursday, then uh, you're, everything's normal with the world, and you're perfectly fine. You can make comments, because we'll see the comments when you make Absolutely. the comments, and we'll respond uh, when, when we are available. Uh, to respond so that's kind of the neat thing about the chat box on the back on the side there you can make comments we can see when you make that comment in the video and say okay this is uh something we can answer or respond to uh the only disadvantage is that you can't have us react to it live but we will react um uh so probably it would be be a good thing for us to to just make this announcement in general and that is um we are starting uh, kind of a new phase here in our, um, our, our I guess, our podcast direction. Um, and we are going to be doing a couple of segments here on looking at books. Uh, we kind of had started that a little bit, our last show before you went on some vacation and did some traveling. Um, but we're doing that again this week and, and probably going to do a couple more of these just because there's some good books out there that we want to kind of discuss and study. So that means that a lot of what we're going to be sharing is going to be our opinion on those books and, and kind of an opening up of those discussions. So that being the case, recognize it's just two pastors. We're having a, a start of a conversation where we're kind of just letting our minds wander on some of these topics. Um, if it is something that is said that offends you, by all means, um, you know, don't take it personally, please. Let us know if we have so that we can apologize, ask for your forgiveness. Um, our goal is to stick to the Lutheran confessions. Our goal is to to stick to the scriptures. Um, but sometimes in our discussion, we might say something that maybe wasn't entirely well thought out. Uh, so contact us. Contact us. Yeah, talk to us. Sorry, this is the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. We are just, we're letting you in on a conversation between pastor, two pastors as we're just uh, talking and wrestling with something with the scriptures, with the confessions, and also as we're wrestling with the subject. Yeah, and some of these books that we're probably going to be reading, um, not all of them, but some of them are we don't even agree with. <laughs> so so uh, just be prepared for, for we're going to try to take the best possible look at them. Um, and, approach, and we're not an expert. We're not in it. Some of the books we're going to be more familiar with and say, yep, we've, we've done these things. But in this case, um, there are going to be some where we're like, I'm not an expert in this field of study. I can't I can't be the person to say definitively on X, Y, and Z. Um, again, contact us through castingnetspod uh, at gmail.com. You can come and see us in person. I am at uh, St. John's in Maribel. Uh, you can always see uh, Pastor Rudot here at Shirley, or Manuel in Shirley, Wisconsin. Um, and if you uh, would like anything else to, to contact us through, Facebook is a good way to go. Comment on the, on the video that you're talking about and we're going to read those comments and be able to to kind of respond to you yeah and speaking of spotting things that we say or say or not not say the other day i spotted an albino albino dalmatian it was the least i could do (laughs) i got one more before we go on and that is if you are working at twitter now that elon musk has bought out twitter you are either an ex-employee or an ex-employee. 
because they changed the name to X. <laughs> if you yeah. have to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> Formerly known as Twitter. It's like the... X Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> was it that like that um, musician who was Prince and then he was the, the... He became a symbol and he was the artist formerly known as Prince and then he became Prince again? <laughs> All right, let's move on to the show show. So this book um, that that you had uh, us read is kind of your your um, brainchild and saying, hey, let's let's take a, a flying leap into a subject that neither of us are remotely qualified <laughs> to really be talking about. Yeah, why? That's a polite way of saying, Dave, why did you pick this book? Why did you afflict me with this torment that I have to read this book? I by did not read it, by the way. I, I had it fed into my ears through someone else's reading, which was equally as tormenting. The book is uh, by Michael Pollan, P-O-L-L-A-N, and it's How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. So that's a mouthful for a title. Uh, why did I pick Michael Pollan's book? Just because the, uh, the concept of mushrooms, of uh, psilocybins, of LSD, ecstasy, those kinds of things is a hot topic among the male influencers of our day. Joe Rogan, big on these things. Uh, um, who else is big on these things? Um, um, com- comedians such as Chris Rock, Bill Burr. Um, they are big proponents of you should take mushrooms. Like this is a good thing for them. That this was an sure. eye-opening that they, they appreciated the ego death that happened when they were participating in Mushrooms. Even uh, Green Bay's own Aaron Rodgers, while he was a player here, he went down to South America where it's legal. He took some uh, stuff called Ayahuasca, A-Y-A-H-U-A-S-C-A. Took some stuff down there because he was, at, at the time, reported he was struggling with his, his family and, or some, trying to wrestle with that with grief. And uh, that supposedly helped him. And, of course, we can insert all of our negative well, comments about and, and <laughs> I think, did it actually affect him or, or not. But. And I think also in, in modern video culture, um, Super Mario has eaten mushrooms. He's eaten mushrooms. <laughs> Which, <laughs> by the way, all the, the, uh, if you see any art, that's all common. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, the... the uh, common uh, use i didn't uh, borrow any actually anything from nintendo <laughs> not i mean if nintendo went after us all they would get is um coffee because that's all we have and uh yeah lake michigan straight i would splash that on their faces as well but um any this book particularly is uh was mentioned by a uh another comedian jason sudeikis who is the executive producer star of a tv show on apple tv called ted lasso and that character is noted as someone who is devoid of ego of he's he doesn't struggle with his own ego as much he does struggle with some issues so in an interview they were asking you know this uh 
character of Ted Lasso is not your typical coach because he's always there for everybody else. He doesn't, he's not uh, selfish or looking at for glory for himself, but glory for his team. Why did you develop this kind of character? And he said that he read this book by Michael Pollan about psychedelics and the changing of the mind of, of getting rid of your ego or ego death is another term for that. So that piqued my interest. I'm like, well, if I'm not actually going to engage in those in these uh, substances because of, of the fourth commandment issue, and, I, I, and of course I'm a poor pastor, so I'm not going to travel down to South America to try these things. But if there's a guy who wrote about it, then maybe I can read about what is it exactly happens when somebody partakes yeah. in these drugs, or what is the what are the issues that. Um, that we, I need to consider as a pastor, as people, as men in my congregation, they're going to be saying this was a good thing or a bad thing, or uh, pastor, what do you say about mushrooms and those kinds of things? It, it, it does seem like it's an issue that's coming, and I want to try to get ahead of it a little bit and just study more about the issues and the ethics of taking well, and mushrooms. Well, I, and I think that's not a bad idea because, I mean, when I was growing up and, and we were— I was starting to get myself into ministry and, and think about ministry. I never thought I was going to have to have the conversations that I were having today. You know, the conversations of legalized marijuana in certain states, the conversations on um, um, same-sex marriages, um, the, the just the how far down the rabbit hole we have gotten um, just in, in, in what we consider to be okay and not okay um, in our society. So being a little bit aware of some of the conversations that are going to be happening and, and kind of working our way down this rabbit hole to say, I, 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 I get the premise, I get what they're trying to combat, and then being able to say, I don't, I either agree or disagree on how they're going about it. Um, and, and I think the focus, and you've said it a couple times, is this idea of, of an ego death or, or um, removing the ego. And for those of you who, who are listening and you're like, maybe I've heard that before, what is an ego? Um, an ego is just that, that the inner self, that is the self that kind of drives all of your passions, your, your ideas, your thoughts, your desires. Um, it's the self that, it's the part of you that, that you try to preserve as much as possible in everything that you do. Um, how do things involve me? That's your ego talking. Um, how is it going to benefit me? That's your, your ego talking. What can I do to help better myself? That's your ego talking. And, and so this whole idea is to say, how can we get rid of that selfishness, right? Um, how can we get rid and start thinking outside of me and start thinking about the world in which I live? Um, those are really good questions, by the way, that that's I mean, mm-hmm. that has been that has been something that that philosophy has really tried to to think about and 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 to work through, you know, even before um, the main philosophers like uh, Socrates and things. You have your your uh, pre philosophers that were still dealing with these issues. So it's not a bad question. Um, now the 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 part that this book I think brings up is this the right answer? Yeah, and the guy who wrote this book is a journalist, so we're all, <laughs> you know how we feel about journalists, um, but he was an investigative journalist. He, he, I, I feel he did his homework. He was trying to be a little bit balanced, but he is, if you're going to read this book yourself, he is going to be proposing that this is a good thing. So it's like watching a documentary. You know that whoever's putting this documentary together wants to point you to a conclusion, wants to point you to something. So he also will do that. 
uh, what I found b benefit in the book was just the history of the psychedelic use in the medical community. He did talk about, you know, in the 50s and 60s, and then all of a sudden culturally we had this backlash against it. And so many people, when they hear the term mushrooms, they really have to get over that hurdle of, oh, that means you're a bunch of hippies. Sure. Uh, but I think, you know, that it's, it was interesting in his book. Um, what I, what I found interesting was, um, how that whole movement started. Um, and, and, you know, you had, you had, I think you had some people who legitimately wanted to pursue a science and they wanted to, to pursue what's going on in the brain. Why are these causing these certain things? Um, even finding out what LSD was, was taking these mushrooms, right? And they were breaking them down component wise mm -hmm. to see what these components would do. Um, and, and one of the things I found was interesting and I, I, I can't, I'm not going to tell you, I know all the names and I, I don't, and I don't care. Um, the guy who found, discovered LSD um, from these mushrooms, you know, he had what we might say the first experience. And, and I, felt that, I thought that part was interesting in the book where, where he took it not knowing what it would do. Um, it was truly a science experiment. He had given it to animals. He had tested it on rats. And he couldn't really test it. He took it himself. And he had probably what we would say would be the most pure of those experiences um, and also the most pure of the fallout from those experiences. Uh, to which, it, when you read the book, you find out the experience of, of kind of um, going so deep into yourself that you're now connected to everything else, but yet the fallout was panic and the fallout was, was kind of a schizophrenic Reality. Yeah, there was there was the followed of like you're gonna die right. and you're you're going into nothingness and and those kinds of those kinds of experiences right. and I, I guess we're we're painting all these drugs kind of in a broad we are brush we are with all the psychedelics uh, you've got your the mushroom based ones which is LSD and the psilocybins and then you have the plant based ones which is like DMT and the uh, ayahuasca that's the ones in South America that's the one that Aaron Rodgers was taking. Um, but again, they're the same idea of uh, an altered reality of some sort where you are no longer the, your normal operating system, shall we say, has been removed or downplayed. I think even in some of those experiences that he said with some of the drugs he was taking, it, it wasn't always consistent what the experience was. So right. like sometimes, so I, that's why I, I felt there's a benefit for me as I'm hearing the big proponents like the Joe Rogans and the, the Andrew Tates of the world saying this is a great thing is to hear his book and say, you know, some of his experiences were not that great. And some of those experiences didn't do what you, he thought they would do. And some of his experiences were uh, it very much said you had to be guided. And, the, and right. for, for you, both you and I, we were talking about like, wait a minute, if somebody has to guide, if somebody has to be there to, to walk you through it, talk you through it, what exactly is actually happening? How much is it the drug lowering your inhibitions and now you're open to influence? And how much is this actually the drug itself doing its, well, its work? Well, and, and, and to be honest, the, the author acknowledges that. He, he, he does acknowledge that, that um, because of the, the, the uh, because of how dangerous these can be, and, and they have to monitor them, there, there has to be that check and balance. And he, he's, he admits that 
that could skew the results. But but I think on a spiritual level, wrapping it up into religion, I, I found that part to be the most amazing. And and you were saying, you know, they have to have somebody there to help with this, and somebody, and it's like uh, that's that's what makes this and connects this very much to to any other religion that you might be thinking about is the fact that that in any religion you have a leader. You have someone who is guiding, right? Um, someone who, who knows what will happen, knows how things are going to happen, at least has an idea of what could happen, um, and helps guide you to be patient through those things. And, and you have that same effect going on in this. You have a, a person there who is relegating how much you can take. He's watching you know, how you're going to react to it. He's guiding you and saying, be looking for this. Be in, be, don't be surprised about that. Um, if you see a scary animal, don't run away. Right, and right. Run towards it because people would run away in terror, and then that would be their experience. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, you have this guide who is doing this. So it becomes a very religious experience, and it really reminds me when you when you view it in that way. This reminds me of of the mystics. You know, this is this is part of the mysticism religions. Um, this is very much part of of the ancient religions where they were trying to to um, remove themselves, to get one with nature, to, you know, to find in themselves some connection to a greater being. And, and so there's a bunch of red flags that start kind of jumping in my head with this. Um, you had made mention, and, and I think it needed to be made mention and talk about more, you made mention of what kinds of things are you being fed? Because when you're in that state where you're, the, the whole idea of these hallucinogens is that they remove your cognitive ability and your rational mind's ability to filter and protect some of your, your core thoughts. God did a, a brilliant job in, when, in creating um, how our brains work and how you know, our rational mind, um, in many ways, held subservient to Scripture, I'm not saying it isn't, um, is the defense against malicious thought and a defense against wrong thought because it's supposed to say that doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then when you strip that away, what is left is your subconscious. And your subconscious is a, is a playground to which you don't want to live. <laughs> you do not want to live in your subconscious. I mean, you're talking about living in an area of where your dreams are. And, and uh, anybody's had the dreams of falling down a forever hole I mean, that freaks you out. And, and some people have had dreams of whatever, you know, walking through fields of daisies. Who, who knows? But that's your subconscious doing all of these things. Right. My wife's subconscious, you know, thought that I sold the, our parsonage. And then now she woke up angry with me. Like, why would I ever do such a thing? Right. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's outside of the, the realm of, of reason. Um, and, and I just want to bring up, like, uh, in Michael Pollan, in the book, he did talk about how there are, Areas of your brain that are not connected, and this drug, the DMT or uh, the various psychedelics, will connect parts of your brain that aren't normally connected. So you would like, you would feel music, or or is it feel yeah feel music, or you could see music or something. Like somebody puts music in your ears, and you're seeing it rather than hearing, hearing it. Right. And uh, again, I like your point of God put God gave us a mind. To filter the world that he has given us, yeah, it gets in our own way a lot. Well, that's I mean, the it, sinful nature. Yeah, sinful nature, yeah. Right. 
Um, but it doesn't mean that the rational mind is some, somehow not as, and I think, I think this, maybe this is where I'm putting words in your mouth, but this is where I feel like you're going, where in the book, the author was saying, we are somehow inhibited. Like this is moving and he's an evolutionist. So this is moving us to the next level where we are right. actually perceiving the world as it should be perceived rather than how God right. designed us to perceive it. Well, and, and there's dangers in that. I mean, there's, there's dangers in, in seeking what we desire to perceive as opposed to what is. Um, there's the dangers of the thrill seeker, right, that goes out there and always has to have the next thrill because it makes them feel something because the mundane is, is not good. Um, I see... I see one of the pitfalls of this being that, you know, you are, you're striving for this experience that will never be replicated again. It'll, it will never come back again. And so you're going to live your entire life with this idea of, I can't get back there and I need to get back there. Um, but that will never happen because now you've been preloaded with different things because this is what it is. It's, it's your brain, personal opinion. It's your brain working through and processing all these things the way the brain does all in the background because God made an, an incredible machine um, in this regard, but it processes all of these things without any guidance. And when it's processing without any guidance it, it in the sinful world, because we are sinners at our core, it's going to go crazy. It will go literally crazy and you will have, and think, and feel, and do, and, and be susceptible to all sorts of things that God has never intended for, for that to happen. Um, now, there's a couple of verses. I, I, you can scour, scour the scriptures, and, and please put in the notes, put it, content, whatever you got to do. If you find any parts of scripture that, that directly correlate with drug abuse, I have not been able to find it. But there are verses that I think... Give us a, a some highlight. Uh, one of them is from Galatians chapter uh, five, and and I'm I'm kind of looking at uh, verse twenty two. Um, it's Paul's talking about the differences between um, this two spirits, the the sinful nature, and and what it it loves. And it says, here's the fruit of the sinful nature, and he gives us a nice long list. Um, and one of the the things on the top of that list, and that's in. Um, Oh, 19, you're looking at 19, and, it, and one of the very first things is he says, uh, complete lack of restraint. Um, so that should be an indicator. If anything's going to make you lose your faculties, that's probably the guidance of the sinful nature. But in, in verse 22, he says this, and he gives this beautiful list of the fruit of the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And then he rounds it all off and he says self-control. The ability to control not only what you're thinking to some extent, um, how are you going to process your emotions, how are you going to react, um, that's part of self-control. Those are the gifts of the Spirit, that, that you are capable um, to do those things. Well, wouldn't that mean anything that lowers that ability would be an adverse to the fruit of the spirit. So I'm going to, I think, I think we do need to have a clarification. We haven't had this clarification yet, but sometimes there are individuals who can't, the, their emotions and their feelings are things that they cannot control that are, that would through the, through some medicines would help them to, 
to get past some of those mental blocks. So I, I'm responding a little bit to that. So I, 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 don't want to, I don't want our viewers to think that self-control is something uh, purely a work of the spirit. So therefore, when you have a headache, you can't take any medicine because that's just a matter of you. You can show demonstrate self-control over that pain that you have in your head. Uh, but the, uh, I, I do appreciate Paul's words because I was thinking of one of the, as Michael Pollan was talking about the experiences that people have, is that they have this huge feeling of love, like something loves them. And, and, uh, and to be reminded that this is a gift that the Holy Spirit gives through his particular means. It's not something that we necessarily have to have a, a, a big feeling of in order for it to be valid. Right, or you find in yourself. So um, my pushback is nowhere in Scripture, in fact, everywhere in Scripture, we have all of these things coming to us outside of ourself. So when the Lord says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all these things are given to you outside of you. So sometimes self-control might be given because God places things inside that say, I'm going to help you control yourself. Uh, sometimes that's the law with a really big stick. <laughs> sometimes it might be medicine because I need to calm down, like Ritalin. Um, I'm not discrediting those things. Those are Science is a gift of the Lord as well sure. for the betterment of society. Sometimes my great, well, I can definitely say my greatest joy in life does not, is not found in me. It's in my family that God has provided, in the ministry that God has given, in the sacraments that God, that God continues to pour out for me. That brings joy to my life. That's not found in me. So I'm not saying the fruit of the Spirit all of a sudden pours in these things and now they're found inside myself. My point is that they're found outside myself. And yet this psych these psychedelics seem to go inside yourself to try to come with or, or to come up with these things. Um, you know, everyone is their own God. Therefore, when I look inside myself, I'll feel that big, wonderful, mushy love. You know, this, this is ridiculousness. Yeah, that was one of the, another, speaking of red flags that we were talking about before, when you're reading the book or listening to the book, where individuals who had this suddenly no longer have a fear of death or they have no longer yeah. have... Um, uh, and a you know, conscience that is, is is working as God intended it to, to to convict us of that we are a sinner needing Christ that we have a, a a restless restlessness that only can be found in Christ something outside of us right and a lot of these people from from in the book you know they ended up being content with themselves well you're not supposed to be content with yourself because you need help and so there I, I think it works counter to but. Yeah. Regard. I mean, moving on. I mean, so so I would definitely say that you know the lack of self control and the lack of 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 looking for things inside yourself instead of looking for the things that God provides outside of yourself is is a definite red flag and a caution for us. The other caution that I would bring up would also be from from Solomon himself, and and if you go into Ecclesiastes, um, that's that's kind of Solomon's last will and testament, right? You know, he 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 had fallen away from the Lord. He, in all of his wisdom, decided to pursue a bunch of different things. Chapter two of Ecclesiastes, he talks a little bit about his his. Diving into madness, he talks, you know, about diving into into finding these things out. And I'm not going to read a bunch of it, but I'm going to read first three verses, and then um, I want to jump to to his ultimate comment in in verse 11, which kind of rounded all out. He says, "I thought in my heart." So we're, he's looking inside. I thought in my heart, "Go ahead, test yourself with pleasure to see what is good," but oh, that too is vapor. About laughter, so he's continuing. He thought to himself, maybe laughter. I said, madness. About pleasure, what good is it? 
And then he says in verse 3, as my heart kept guiding me with wisdom. So he's, this is not the wisdom of the Lord. This is the wisdom of self. This is that ego getting in the way, right? We could say that. As it kept guiding me, I put it to work, researching how to relax my body with wine and how to grasp why people do stupid things. Okay, so he's, he's saying, I'm, I'm doing what everyone else is. I'm finding ways to put myself into those moments, right, of clarity. Verse 11, he wraps it all up. He says, it was all vapor. It, it, it didn't mean anything. I kind of get that feeling from the book. There was no lifelong lesson. It was, my life will never be the same because I can't get back there. It was, um, I, I, I remember the interviews where he had talked with people and they're like, we had that experience and nothing else will compare to that experience. That's not how God intends us to live our life. Um, God, our God intends us to live our life that every day is a gift and every day has its joys and every day has, yes, in a sinful world, it's, it's downward spiral. But, but these are all good things that the Lord is giving to us and, and, and that he is there with us and his word is with us and, and the people that he's placed in our life are with us. Um, if we have that one moment, that one moment where we say, well, this was it, how sad. That, that we can't find joy in anything else. I, I found that another red flag um, as I was going through the material. It was interesting. And I think, you know, what I had heard in, in my limited experience with, you know, uh, the male influencers of our world talking about it, they would all often talk about it as if you have one experience like this and then you're reset for the rest of your life. So that's so much different than, and then of course the uh, the accusation of our big pharma says, well, you can't take these things because if you take it once, then you're re- you're set for the rest of your life. That was the interesting thing that I learned as they talked about depression, as they talked about addiction. They did talk about that these individuals had to have that experience more than once, and it wasn't like they needed it as often as say the the other drugs that like we have to take if you take an SSRI, you have to take it every day, so. Big Pharma gets your money every day. So I could see the the line of, of the Big Pharma saying, well, if you don't need to take it every day, but only once every couple of months, we'd rather feed you the thing that, that we can sure. charge you every day. I, can, I, I understand that. But it also steered me away from, the, from the, the lie that you take this once and it resets your brain, like it's a big reboot of your brain. I think sure. it is a, uh, yes, it's, um, it's changing your perceptions of, of reality, it, it is looking for things that may not be found in, within. And if it's found within, it may be a lie. For example, the, uh, a, a God who said, or no fear of death for someone who is a Buddhist who doesn't have Christ. So that's a lie because sure. there, there, there should be a, a fear of, you have a God up there that, you know, that natural knowledge of God, you have a God who is upset with you and... Um, you can only find rest through Christ and his forgiveness and all that thing. I, I'll so. be honest. I felt, I felt the people who had the, the stream, the extreme terror when they pulled back the curtain and they, I'm like, that's probably more accurate. <laughs> they but pulled back I, the I, curtain I, and yeah, they were, they were terrified because I, they saw a God who is, is against the sinner. Um, but again, it's all inside. You're like, you're like, <laughs> people are guided in these conversations right. and it's, 
what what is real and what isn't and what is actually scientific and what is not you have individuals who are trying to pr- propose this to mainstream sure. this uh, the the substances in our our life so a lot of that was for me i was receiving that with some skepticism but i did learn more than what i had before and that is that these individuals need to take this more than once for these effects to continue but isn't isn't that isn't that also then to bring up the caution right the, the caution of we are, the mind is a fickle thing. Um, the heart is a fickle thing. And we don't know enough. We, we don't know enough how the brain works in general. We don't know enough how memory works and how we think and how, uh, how that gray matter up there functions. We can, we can see how it functions, but we can't understand how it does what it does and how it produces what it produces. And, and then to say that we're going to take a drug and we're going to, we're going to try to pursue a drug that's going to affect something we have not any idea how that works. It seems to be the red flag to me uh, of, of the many red flags. It's like, okay, you're, you're delving into something, one, you don't understand to begin with, but then you're going to try to alter the thing you don't understand because you want to run away from something. And that's, that's really, I, I think, well, the But we point. don't know. Yeah, we can't make aspersions as to everyone's intention as to Maybe why they're not. taking it. Right. But, but it seems from the, from the book, it seems, okay, the desire is to remove something in myself that's holding me back, something in myself that's limiting me, something in myself that I can't get over. The death of ego. I, I am in my own way. Mm-hmm. That's true. We all are. Um, and, and I, I think it's a, a legitimate issue. PTSD. Okay, legitimate. Those are legitimate issues. But I, I don't see how diving into yourself, opening your up to, yourself up to susceptibility, delving into areas that, you, your, that, that nobody knows, especially you, how it's going to affect you long term, or how, how your brain is supposed to be set up and working to begin with. I mean, you have a problem in the brain already, and I think it's because of sin, and then you compound it with everything else. Now you're, you're introducing another substance that we don't know what the long, we can't guarantee what the effects are going to be because it's different for every single person. You're just adding insult to injury at this point. You're, just, you're, you're compounding a case that says, I, I, we're, we're just going to throw things against the wall and see what sticks. And I think there's a better alternative. And of course, in the book, to be fair, that's what he is. He's proponing that we need to look, study this further because it seems like it, right. it has all these great results. And Throw of course more against the wall. It, well, yeah. <laughs> Anecdotally, you know, and he'll, on his Twitter page, he'll say, look at how often people who um, have a problem with alcohol, <clears throat> how often do they take alcohol after an experience with uh, um, some sort of psychedelic? So he's proponing that we need to study this more. And I think our our caution always is when it comes to medicine uh, or taking in substances, like why are you doing this? And, sure. and uh, what is your purpose here? Is there something that is already there in the world that, or there for you in the church that you are saying to yourself, I need something more than that. So for example, somebody who's dealing with guilt, uh, confession, absolution, uh, actually talk to your pastor about the things you feel guilty about. Who's going to do that? But, oh, I will do this new thing, and I'll take this drug, and it'll make me feel better. I'll have more empathy for myself rather than it being proclaimed to you that your Christ, your Savior, loves you and forgives you 
And even if you struggle with the same guilt tomorrow that you dealt with today or ne- the same guilt you deal with this week that you dealt with next week, here God gives you another individual who externally tells you this is the reality that you're living in and or could give you the body and blood of Christ, which says this is the reality of the one who did all of this for you. It's the pursuit of justification. Really, it is in, in the pursuit of, of being declared righteous. Um, you know, you have this th- throughout the world in every religion and every culture. You have this this desire to to have somebody tell you that you're okay. Some somebody to pronounce over you that that the world isn't against you and that you're going to be fine. This is just another one of those ways. And instead of looking at it from someone saying it to you outside, you're looking, you're saying, my opinion is the only opinion that matters, so I have to come to terms with it. So this is the way I'm going to do it. It it is it is it is an age old issue to solve an issue that will never go away on this side of heaven. And I agree with you. And 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 I'm not disagreeing with you on on the problem. Um but I think there's a reason that every, every uh, I want to use the word institutional, but at mainstream religion, and it doesn't matter if it's Christianity, whatever, looks at these things and says, this is not the way it goes. This is not the way to go. All of them do. I mean, you can go to Muslim. You can go to the Muslim faith. You can go to the Mormons. You can go to the. You can go to um, even Buddhists. Even Bud- and and Buddhists are probably the one most closely associated with this type of transcend transcendental type of, of mm. stuff. But they would say meditate, and they would say cut out all of that stuff, purify yourself, and and sit in and get in touch with your inner being. Don't add more things to yourself to cause this and force you to have this. So, so my, my thought is, you know, these things have been around. Like you said, these are plants. We're not the first person to ever come across a mushroom and say, oh, I wonder. We're not. That, it's just we're not. It's just that we're dealing with a society that's, or elements in that society is trying to normalize it. Right. And that's, the, where, and that's think, where we're heading but why? into. And, and it comes back down to, I think, we are running from ourselves. We are, we, are, we are like every other society in every other place. We want someone to, to pronounce righteousness over us. We want someone to pronounce that we are okay. We want to feel okay. And, and I think this is another pursuit of that. And, and so it's an age-old issue and an age-old problem. But the, the information provided, I don't think, has, has given me any indication that this is a healthy way to do it. And that that that's a that is a huge barrier to to jump over because even if you legalize it, you know, even when they legalized um, marijuana, right? It wasn't there wasn't really a science that legal. It was it was the well we can tax it, like they're going to do it anyway, so we can tax it. <sighs> How do you test this? Yeah, and again, we we went through COVID, so any we like science. <laughs> We but scientists, <laughs> that's all I have to say. We like science. Scientists, we know that that can be, uh, you know, who's paying for the science, who's paying for the studies. Right. Uh, what Are they truly scientific studies or are they just uh, trying to prove what they already want to conclude? Those kinds of things. I, I do think... Um, and I don't think it helps the case when some of the major scientists of these things are in the backwoods. <laughs> 
Sorry. It, well, it, right. This guy's an evolutionist, so he's not going to say that the, the way that our mind is constructed is a, comes from some, a divine being. Right. He, and so he'll throw words around like spirituality, and, and uh, which he does mention in the book, and pe- the male influencers will talk about this as a spiritual experience. And again, it's always something, they're searching for something outside of themselves to, or not necessarily outside of themselves, but outside of what is there. So they're looking for the drug, they're taking the drug inside. So somehow the altered uh, perceptions are going to give them what they're looking for, which is a, a feeling of, of love, a feeling of forgiveness, some empathy for their situation, helping them to get out of their own way in some way. Yeah. And so for an individual, as a pastor, as we're, as if people, if my people are listening to this, hopefully they're listening to this, as they're looking at these things, that's the, really the ethical question that you have to ask yourself because it is a deception, a lie, that you're just saying, well, I'm just doing this because of a medicinal use. You have to ask yourself, perhaps there's some, some spiritual thing, reason why. And I can't say everybody who takes this, this is the reason why they're doing it. I, I can, as a pastor, say the people that are doing this, it seems like it's from they're just like everybody else that has gone before them looking for justification, like you were saying, justification from some other, something external outside of themselves, whether it's a pill or whether it's an individual that tells them that they're okay, when that only the truth and the, the true reality can only come through Christ and his word. Well, and I and I I like where you're going with that because a lot of that in the book also mentioned that they they viewed it sacramentally, um, which you know people outside of Christianity do understand what a sacrament is that it is a gift given, uh, something bestowed outside of us to us for our benefit, and and I think that is a. I, I guess I would pose this this thought. Um, the Lord, in giving his gifts and giving his word and giving his sacraments, expect nothing of us. We don't have to have a certain mindset. We don't have to have our heart in a certain place. We don't, we don't, we don't have to do X, Y, and Z, and then we receive, you know. What the Lord gives, he gives because he's a giver of good things. And what the Lord provides, he provides because that is who he is. He's a provider. Um, and what he provides is everything that you need in the mundane. I don't, I don't have to go and look outside of, of what he has given to find what he has given. He gives it. It's there. It's, yeah, whether you feel it or not, right. it's there. It's there. That, that's, the, that's the beauty of the promise. That's the beauty of, of hearing the words of one who has and has created all things speaking into your life as a creation, <laughs> you know, I'm, there are going to be things I don't understand and there are going to be things that I never will comprehend and there, and, and I maybe never will be blessed like John, um, to have the heavens open up and for me to see uh, prophecy, like he saw it to play out, uh, in the book of revelation. I may not be like Moses and stand before the Lord to see his back on Mount Sinai, but I get to see my Lord in the everyday, as I am, as he promises to me, here I am in bread and wine. Here I am in the water, as I link you with myself. Here I am walking with you, um, taking your burdens. Here are my words for you. I'm speaking to you, if if if, but only you have the ears to listen, um, and I will provide those for you too, because I am the Creator, and and I can see what He creates as He speaks, 
and I hear his words. Um, I can see his influence in the everyday life, um, in the joys that come outside of myself. I, I look at that and I say, okay, there's, no, there's nothing attached. There, there's no medicine I have to take, right? There's, there's no state of mind I have to be in. Um, in order to have that reality yeah. of, of love yeah. and forgiveness, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what are we searching for? I, I mean, I, I had said this to you before in the beginning of the show, and I, I'll bring it up. You know, one of the greatest joys of my life was was when I got married. It was a great joy. I loved it. It was it was amazing that a woman actually would want to marry me. I, I know it's just it amazes everybody when I tell them the story. God forbid anything would happen to my wife, right? God forbid anything would happen to my wife if I got married again. It wouldn't be the same. I'm not saying it wouldn't be joyful, but it wouldn't be the same because it w- that was a one-time amazing thing. Yeah. And that's just how it is. Um, I, I view this kind of in that way. If you're, if you're running after this stuff, because you, you got to have that experience. You got to have that thing. It's never going to be the same. The second time you take it, the third time you take it, and eventually you're going to keep trying to reproduce that same thing. And then, then the question is, how much of it is you trying to influence yourself? And I don't know if you can answer that question. Yeah, I don't know if we can answer why people do it, because sometimes people will just like the experience, and it's not about the experiencing the same thing, but just how, they, how it made them feel. They felt loved, which right. over time, well, they don't feel that way anymore, but they just know that as they took this, they felt love or their guilt was away. So then over time, they remember that. So even though the experience is different, the end result is, is the same. Um, as closing thoughts, I think this is really a good illustration that the, the mind or, or the, the, our ego is a, an excellent thing, but a terrible master. You know, God has given us this wonderful thing to help filter the world, but then also experience the world, experience the joys of this world as he's created them. Um, but it is also a terrible, a terrible master when we put it in charge, when we're saying, well, this sure. is, I'm going to determine what my experience in this world is going to look like and feel like. And so this podcast is really this is really a beginning of the conversation because we don't really, we didn't really talk about the medicinal things because that's really kind of out of the, the wheelhouse of this, this book. Well, Cause this book really, it's just talking us. about, yeah. Yeah. This book is really just talking about the average everyday person with their everyday problems. Yeah. Addictions in there. Yeah. Depression is in there, but his main audience that he's writing to are, and your main influencers that I mentioned too, where it isn't necessarily that they are, uh, have some huge psych- psychotic issues, schizophrenia or anything like that, but they are um, dealing with their own, their own self. And God has given us a solution for dealing with your own self. And that is going to God in his word and also, he, yes, his word proclaiming something to you. Yeah, you're a sinner, but his word also proclaiming to you. Yeah, you're forgiven and you are loved. Uh, and this is your reality. And, and, uh, and through your mind and, and through your the faculties that you process this information that's been given to you externally for some there's an sometimes there's an emotional response sometimes not but the truth of the matter is that's your reality is what god has proclaimed not w- what you feel sure that's the ultimate authority and i would and and i just i would resonate with everything you said that that you know the lord doesn't deal in feelings 
he, he deals in absolutes. He deals in speaking what isn't into creation. Um, and, and that is a, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. And um, it creates emotions, but it doesn't necessarily create the same emotion every time or, right. Or the same emotion in every person uh, or the same amount of emotion in every person. Yeah. Right. And I, 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 so I would say this, if you are interested um, in reading the book yourself, um, go for it. I, I, I don't think that you would dis, I don't think it would be a disservice to you to pick up the book and read it. Um, but I think you also should read it with a discerning ear to say, you know, it, just because something is marked science or just because something is marked, this will be a benefit doesn't make it a benefit. Um, I think you need to read it and say, there are some trigger words here that would make me want to reconsider why would I want to do these things? Uh, and that's just, that's just using the reason that God has given to you to process and filter out certain things that might be damaging to you. Um, you may come to a different conclusion and you might say, you know, for certain cases, this might be great. And, and that might not be what I would uh, agree to. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're out of faith and it doesn't mean that you don't believe in God or that you don't believe in the spirit. It just means that, that we should have these discussions to say, what's the point and purpose? What is behind it? What, what are you trying to accomplish in doing this? And then what are the fallout? And, and, and I am not a scientist. I'm not um, a medical professional. I can't tell you how those chemicals are going to ultimately. And I don't even know if they know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we got to start the conversation somewhere, like you said, because it's coming. It's gonna, we are going to face it in our generation. Our kids are going to have to deal with it in theirs. Um, and so we need to be prepared to, to say, we've, we've thought this through. And how are we going to look at it in Christ? Yeah, that's a good, good way. And uh, if you've got another book, that's fine. I think, I, like I probably have said this before, I'll probably close with it, is that this book was good in that it steered me as, as I read it, I tried to read it with an open mind. I was skeptical in the, in the science part, and I'll always be skeptical. It doesn't, you can throw a ton of science at me, and I'll still be skeptical because I'm not a scientist, and I just know that scientists don't always tell you everything, and we're living in a world where scientists aren't always studying everything of, of everything. So the science part is fascinating. The history part is fascinating. You can see the direction in which they're going through this in this book of this is uh, the history of it and trying to get over those, uh, the cultural um, prejudices against the book. However, this book, all, and, and if, you're in, if you're curious, like what is it like to go through those experiences? He does document what it's like to go through the various drugs. And, and, and he, as far as I can tell, he's honest because he's going to say it's not always great. But he's also going to say it's better more than often because he's got that worldview of saying this, of, like we've said before, he's looking to elevate our, our perception beyond what God has given because he's an evolutionary guy. So if you are interested in learning more about what happens when someone partakes of these drugs and you're not necessarily, and you're looking for a little bit more um, biased, uh, not biased uh, level, I'm saying the opposite head. word of what, I'm, of what I'm doing with my hands, but a more balanced Approach to it, I, th- I think this book is good. But I, if you've got a book, let us know. Casting, that's pod at gmail.com. Maybe we'll have another podcast on this as well, uh, especially with the medicinal side of things, Perhaps if that perks our interest or if there's anything out there. Uh, I feel better prepared to have a conversation to someone about why are you taking this? And and to if someone were to say deal with absolutes, like 
PTSD, this is the only solution to that, or this is the only solution to addiction, or the only solution to depression, I, I feel like I'm equipped with this book to say, hold on a second, this, this may not be doing what you think it, it may be doing. Right. I, I have more confidence in saying, this isn't uh, the miracle drug that some make it out to be. Well, and if you've seen the new Mario movie, the red ones make you bigger, the blue ones make you shrink. <laughs> you should watch the new Mario movie. <laughs> well, if you've been with us this far, thank you very much for listening to our show on the Casting Nets Pod. If you like what you've said, feel free. What we have said, uh, feel free to write a view. This is, again, a beginning of a conversation, not the end. Contact us in person or email us at castingnetspod at gmail.com. And also uh, look forward to the next one. We'll be talking another about another book about, and what is the book that we're reading next week? Any Given Sunday. Any Given Sunday. So we are talking about the, um, the external experiences that people have yep. and what does that mean for us yep. um, emotionally, too, or just what does it mean for us? It's, it's going to be, um, it's really taking a look at what is, what, is going to, what is given to every person when they come in to a church on any given Sunday and, and taking a look at, at, at how that is guiding and influencing and interacting with us. So should be a fun time sort of leading off of that same topic of, of self. Self, yep. yeah. Awesome. So until then, real life, living faith here at Casting Nets Pod. Thank you very much for joining us. Looks like the Facebook had a problem. Looks like Facebook had a problem. You think so? It says X's.